Welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, welcome. We've, we've got a great show for you today. Thank you for tuning us in and turning us on. Soar, look, I think about this a lot. I I spent most of my life uh, as a young adult walking with my head down. They never picked up my head. And so, you know, the idea of soaring above the clouds or soaring like an eagle or soaring, period, was not a reality to me because my sphere of influence was what I could see on the ground. And I'm not alone in that. If you grow up in, in New York, a lot of us spend a lot of time looking at the ground. But that's not what the show is like with Serene Enigma today. You know, today what we're going to be talking about, and she's bringing this to you through a fabulous episode series she's doing that focuses on who we are and what does it mean to soar. That's what today is about. You know, do we know when our souls are tortured? Do we know when we are meant to walk with our heads up high, but for some reason, the painfulness of not being able to do that eludes us? Today, Serena is going to take us through that and so much more. We're going to talk about what does it mean to soar, to be up there, you know, to fly with the eagles, even if in fact the crows. <laughs> are nipping at you. Serene, thank you for today. Uh, this is really important because I think for a lot of people, we have a sense that we want to elevate, we want to soar, but we don't even know where to begin. So what does it mean to soar? What does it mean to you? And then how did you come to know the importance of it? So what it means to soar is to basically live life with purpose, with intent, waking up every day with the express intent of, I'm going to make this day the best day ever. Instead of waking up thinking, how is this day going to go? Or I just wish this day would be better than tomorrow. Soaring is living a full, a fulfilled life and living that life on purpose and knowing that you're playing a part in creating that life and that life is just not happening to you. Yeah. I mean, when we are talking about this, what we're really talking about is, you know, knowing that we're meant for more. And that is true. And I right? do know that they're meant for more. That's the thing. A lot of people know that they're meant for more. They can feel it in their bones. They can feel it, but there's a disconnect. And usually that disconnect comes from that inner voice, that inner critic that's telling you that you're not enough. It's coming from lack of clarity because you can't listen fully to your inner self because you can't differentiate it from your inner critic. <laughs> it's coming from a lack of belief in yourself. It's coming from a lot of things. Yeah. But deep down, we all know 
that there is something more that we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned the word fulfillment. I want to talk about that for a little bit because, you know, I remember doing a, a series on fulfillment. And what I said to, to the audience at that point in time is fulfillment is a subjective journey. It's, mm-hmm. it's an inside job, but, but what does it mean for you? Because just reaching and flying high above the clouds without knowing why you're there or where you think you're going, not necessarily gets you to a place of fulfillment, but it might. What did fulfillment mean for you? What did that mean for you? And you're very right. Fulfillment is going to mean different things for different people because it's going to vary based on our values, our beliefs, what we've been through, the conditioning, all of that. But fulfillment for me meant freedom, freedom to live my life how I wanted to live it, freedom to structure my days how I wanted to structure them. I'm a very busy person. I've got four kids, a dog. I have my business that I'm doing. I have other companies that I work with. So the freedom to have that, uh, what is it, autonomy? (laughs) Is that the word? Yeah. Freedom to have that that autonomy and live life structure my days like I want them to. And you have no idea how much stress that takes from you, how much happier you're going to be, how much healthier you're going to be in the long run, because now you have time to dedicate to you. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, part of this, we're going to talk about a little bit more because part of the equation in looking at this, and we'll talk about it later on, is, you know, what are the things that hold you back from that? You know, and, you know, we're going to talk about that. And and we now know that the statistics are showing the degree of anxiety and worry, uh, clearly not as great as it was during the pandemic, but clearly not as good as it could be. We still have an after effect. But I want to ask you this. Part of looking at this is looking at fulfillment and looking at for oneself. What does it mean to have that sense, even though you're busy, but to know you're living on purpose? And that's how you, so you have to kind of structure, even though you have that time to do what you want to do and structure it the way that you have to or need to, You still have to structure it in such a way. And a lot of people mess up on that also. There has to be prioritization. Priorities have to be in the right place, basically, for you to live in that manner. Because if it's not, then things are going to go awry real quick. It's going to go real left. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is why this is such an important conversation. It's because... I don't know that the people we're talking to, and I wanted to say this to everybody, everybody that's listening to this and the people that are not, the people that you'll pass this on to, all of us have been given the the capacity to soar. Mm-hmm. It's, it's our birthright. It is part of an essential, uh, uh, it's who we are. However, we may get thrown a few curves and those curves then alter the way we believe about ourselves. Let's talk about this. You know, what role does belief play and how do we help people here get rid of these old constraints that are holding us back? Gotcha. So your belief in yourself and your abilities is going to be very pivotal in this stage. 
you have your inner voice or not your inner voice. You have your inner critic screaming at you during this stage that you're not good enough or you're not ready yet. All of these things. And it's talking to you out of fear. And guess what? Most people are listening to that because most people think that they are the thinker. (laughs) So they're not looking at it from an objective place. And they're instead looking at it from a subjective place. And it's like, I really am not ready. I really, yeah. this really is not the time. Yeah. And so that stops us. It freezes us in our tracks, that fear of going forward because of what may happen or what may not happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we're in this mode, I mean, I want to ask you this question and, and I'm just curious about it. Um, you have been through, uh, and you mentioned a few of them, your own challenges, your own obstacles, you know, what have you been able to do and how have you done it to really silence your inner critic? Because if we can't do that, I mean, we're doomed. I mean, I know this, I ran into it yesterday. I play a sport and I ran into it yesterday in a sport. You know, my inner critic was playing the sport, not me. And I'm like, what the heck happened here? But how have you learned to silence your inner critic? Because if we can't do that, we're not moving. Right. And it's good that you were aware of that. <laughs> but whatever. I was aware of it though after the match, though. That's the, you know, like, okay. I heard, yeah. Yeah. So one of the ways that I found that you can silence your inner critic is to get to know you, get to know who you are, what makes you tick. And what I mean by that is one, there's a very simple exercise that a lot of people um, do where you write down all of the things that you do, you've done well in your lifetime. So I suggest doing that one. And then also sit, get comfortable with sitting down and going over your strengths and your weaknesses, get to know them. The weaknesses also, a lot of people don't like to focus on the weaknesses, but get to know them as well as your strengths, get comfortable with them. And all of this combined is going to give you a greater view of who you are. And that in and of itself is going to empower you to take those steps forward. Um, I got to ask you this question. Um, I know we're going to talk about it more when we come back from break, but we think that by getting to the place of soaring, soaring, that we have arrived. Yeah. And when I, right. And when I talk to people, whether it's soaring or elevate, whatever the language is, we're shooting for this thing that you just described so beautifully. It is not quite the end game, but yet, some people think it's the end game. And I don't know about you, the, the women that I coach, when I, when I find them at that place uh, where they, I have achieved, I'm top CEO, I'm top in technique, I'm blah, 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 blah. they're still not fulfilled. So can you talk about this, this idea of soaring and how it is not the end game? Right. Definitely not the end game. So what you're going to have to do is change your mindset to this is not the end game, but this is the journey basically. Yeah. And that's what soaring is, is one more step on the evolution of your soul. That that is what it is. And when a lot of people get to those points, when you say that they're not fulfilled, when they get to that point, it's because some people, they don't realize that it is not the end game and there's still work to do. There's still work to do. There's still going to be issues. There's still going to be obstacles. There's still going to be things that pop up in your path. 
So when you say, is this the end game? No, ma'am, this is not the end game. It just puts you in a better place to fulfill your destiny. Yeah, it's so funny. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to really nail this down for those of you out there, because when we come back, we're going to talk about what is most important to remember. You know, it's fascinating. I had a friend call me from Alaska uh, about a week, let's say a week or so ago. And, and she was like, you're not going to believe me. You're not going to believe whatever. I got just a message I got like on the phone. You're not going to believe me. And then I finally talked to her and she said, the birds flew south early. <sighs> and I thought about that in the context of this show, because one of the things that we know about soaring and when you're talking about elevating yourself, there are more unknowns than knowns. And so when my friend called me, I'm like, hello, you've been living in Alaska, like how many decades? And what she said was, even in Alaska, there are some constants. And when things pop up out of the ordinary, like for those birds to be flying out of there at the time, she said, caused her alarm that she wasn't prepared for when we come back talking about obstacles, talking about things to remember. And most importantly, when you step into the energy of this, like Serene just talked about, you're stepping into a place where there are going to be some things that are known, but there are going to be a lot of things that are not. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking about soaring. And then, you know, when you soar, you're sort of like an eagle. You're flying up there. You're just like, you're up there. You're in the flow, the wings, the air beneath your wings, all of that stuff, great stuff. But how you get up there and when you're up there, how you stay up there if you want to stay up there. Uh, Serene Enigma is joining me here today. She has a fabulous podcast. This is what we're doing today. But before we go on, because this next part is really very important. How do people find out more about you? How do they work with you? How do they participate in courses and anything else you have? Awesome question. So if you guys would like to know more about me, uh, follow me on Instagram. There's a link in my bio. If you click it, um, you just hit the wake up, level up, soar button, and it's going to give you more information on how you can work with me, how we can work one-on-one, give you more information on my new course, soar, and also my new monthly group coaching program. Yeah. Uh, People always comment that almost every picture I have, I got some kind of trees or something in there. I got a giant tree. Well, I live with giant trees. You got giant trees behind you, right? I love trees. I love trees. <laughs> I love them. Um, but there's a certain level of respect and appreciation. Now, I have a friend that has so much respect for the ocean, and so do I. But there's something majestic that we've seen in the level by which something can grow and be that strong. That's what we're talking about now. What is the most important thing that that being able to sort what is required for that? What is going to be required? The most important thing is going to be taking that leap of faith. And that is where many of us get stuck at because it's scary. Any type of real significant change, it is scary. It could be real daunting at first. And that's because we live our day-to-day lives. We already feel like we're on some type of ledge, right? (laughs) Most of us. And so when we have to be on that pedestal, that ledge, and now it's time to jump off, it's like, oh no, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) It's a very scary thing. And that is what stops a lot of people from soaring 
that lack of courage and being able to take that leap of faith. Yeah. I mean, it's a showstopper. It's a, it's what you call it. It stops everything. And, and, there, and people say, and let's just talk about this for a minute. Everyone has their own version of what that leap of faith looks like for many people, you know, their leap of faith, faith is enormous, right. Or seems enormous to others, but to them, it may be not that enormous. But here's the thing I love about a leap of faith. It, it is without judgment. It is judgment-free. Faith is judgment-free. Mm-hmm. When you have that faith in something you do, nobody's sitting there saying to you, oh, what you're about to do, that's just so lame. That's not worth it. Why are you worrying about it? Why do you need it? Nobody's doing that except what? That inner critic. Exactly. So, Right. So I helped to name that, that inner critic. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a name. Mine's name is Myrtle. (laughs) Yeah, Very good. But you know, this is part of the steps to take the leap of faith. Tell us what you've learned on some of the steps that help us do that. First of all, naming that inner critic is fun of fun. I have my, I have one. Mine is Dr. P Diddy. <laughs> oh, I hope Sean doesn't call me. Uh, okay. Okay. So yeah, we're going to probably have to cut that out. But what, what are some of the steps? <laughs> so those steps I've, th- I've found one, getting clear with your intuition, that inner voice, get clear and dif- learn how to differentiate that inner voice from that inner critic. And that's why I said it might help to give your inner critic a name because it helps it helps you reframe how you think about those thoughts instead of thinking that those negative thoughts that are guiding you away further away from your dreams and goals, instead of thinking that those are you, that that's you thinking those thoughts, you give that entity a name and now you can start observing instead of listening to it and following its advice. Yeah. And that's going to help you. That's going to help you to ha- build that courage that you need to go ahead and take action, take that leap of faith, whatever that may mean for you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, it's very difficult to really look at ourselves in a way that helps us move forward without being awake and aware. I mean, you have to have both. You, you know, a lot of times we're awake, but we are just not aware. You know, we yeah. go through life just trotting along. Um, but let's just talk about this for a minute. You know, when we take these steps and we have the courage, because it does take courage to move ahead, what have you found is the most giant obstacle, right? What have you found to be the thing for you that you've said, this is like a boulder going, I'm just trying to roll this boulder up the hill. It's like three tons, but I'm going to roll it up that hill. Yeah. For me, it was that lack of clarity. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, that intuition piece. I've always been a very intuitive person, but like when it came to me and things in my life or decisions that I had to make, I I knew the answers intuitively. Yeah. But it's like that fear it just kept coming like that, that inner critic, that voice Myrtle just kept talking to me. And I'm like, <laughs> I know what to do in my heart. Like I can feel it. But when you have that dialogue, that inner dialogue, it does weigh on you, especially if you can't differentiate it, especially if you don't even, if you're not even aware that it's not you. 
So that's yeah. what I've learned is like the biggest thing that was oh, yeah. the biggest thing for me. I agree with you on that because I, I wasn't kidding. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something yesterday and I, I mean, I knew I could hear my inner critic, but I wasn't awake and aware enough to know that was my inner critic, that I could stop it in a minute. And that's the work that you do to help people. I mean, we're not just talking about things that get in the way, but you have created a body of work now to help people navigate through the winds of criticism, whether they be from us or not. Yeah. And it is not just that either. It's like, we have this sense of, I keep coming back to comfortability, but it's this sense of, when there's a change that needs to be made or we have to make that jump, it's that sense of, we know already like how it is on this side and right now and here. But if I take this jump, I don't know what's going to be <laughs> on the other side of this cliff. I don't know what's going to be waiting for me. I don't know if I'm going to soar or glide or fall or plummet. I don't know. So it's like that fear of the unknown, but yeah. like, that unknown piece, that's the beauty of it because now you get to create it. Like there's beauty in the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people have to come to that realization. <laughs> yeah. You know what else there is in the unknown? Unlimitedness. Yes. Yeah. You see, the known by the very fact that we know it puts yep. a boundary around it, puts a limitation around it. But the unknown has no limitation. Yep. Right. It, it has an energy by itself that that is so vast. And if we could do what you just said is if we could if we could literally understand what you just said, then when we kick those steps into gear that you shared with us, we're living in a world of unlimited possibilities. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then you get to create the life that you've always envisioned, the life that you know that you should be living, but you're not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a couple of things. I want to really bridge it to, you know, motivation. Look, I, 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 both of us know a lot about this, you and me. We know about motivation. We know about belief. But really, we've got to convert that energy into action. What have you found to do that? Because it's really it's really kind of one thing to be sitting around, be motivated and sitting around, have your beliefs changed. But then that doesn't automatically get you to take action. It doesn't. And you got to figure out what motivates you first and foremost. For me, growth motivates me. It's one of those things. And I look at it as I'm because I'm I was thinking about going back for my master, going back to school for my master's. And the way I look at it is these three years are three, whatever years they're going to go by. I'm going to be 40 here soon, whether I have my master's or not. So if this is something that I really feel that I need yeah. in my life to, to progress me, then I'm going to go ahead and do it. Like that's yeah. my motivation. Yeah. Oh, oh, you nailed it because those three years are going to move ahead at right, the end I'm of three be, years. Yeah. 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 How are you going to feel at the end of three years? Are you going to feel like you moving ahead with them? Or are you going to feel like, oh, I just laid back there three years ago and oh boy, they went ahead. So exactly. what you're talking about is really taking a vision out three years, understanding what the opportunity is in front of you. And that opportunity will enable you to soar higher. 
Yeah, right. And you're you're going to grab that opportunity when you can, or it's going to pass you by. <laughs> and yeah. I, for one, would, would rather grab it when I can. I'm one of those people, I like to do things right the first time. I'm like a perfectionist. It's a bad thing. It's like really a weakness for me. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't, I, it's the right I, yeah. the first time. So grab well, it when I can. That's when I get it. You got to get it. Look, thank you for today. Uh, I, I'm telling everybody out there. I mean, we're just talking about one thing for you and that's going back to school. I went back to school at age 40 and no, actually it was 42. And I went back for a master's degree and then I went on and the people around me had so much judgment why do you need to do that? What are you doing? You know, how old are you going to be when you get it? And I'll tell you, I shut that dialogue up like it's nobody's business. As you should have. Look at you now. <laughs> and look at you. Look at you. Uh, one, one last thing. How do people find out about you? How do they work with that? I never thought that I would be going back to school so that, you know, people could call me Dr. Pat. But there you go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> how do we find out about you? Again, um, follow me on Instagram it's at serenaenigma underscore 1111. Click the link in my bio. The wake up level up button is going to be right there. Go ahead and click it. It's going to give you all the information that you need to find out more on my new course, SOAR, and also my new monthly uh, group coaching program. Well, I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to acknowledge you in advance, Dr. Serene. Yes. for your movement ahead and all the work you're doing to help so many other people. Thank you so much for this show today. Thank it you. is a message that we all needed to hear, but it was a message I needed to hear, especially. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> all you out there, please don't sit on your dreams. I mean, you know what happens when you sit on something? That's like a whole visual you want to be thinking about, but don't exactly. sit on your dreams. Come on. Open up your wings and fly. Serene Enigma, thank you so much for everything. Wow. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. We'll see you next time. It's time for Life Engineering, processes that combine science, wisdom, and spirituality to build a life of alignment. Joining Dr. Pat is your host, Gabriella Embon, bringing you bi-weekly wisdom nuggets, your step-by-step -step guidance to build a life of no regrets. Stay tuned as they uncover powerful processes for you to realize your true potential. Are you ready for some magic wisdom? Life engineering starts now. Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Pat. And I want to welcome you to a great show. This is one of the most important conversations of not only of this year, but as we go into next year, you're going to find it show up over and over and over again. How to open our capacity to trust. Why is this so important? Gabriella, thank you for taking on this topic. I know it's important to me, but it's especially important to you. As, you know, look, you are coaching people from all over the world and they are entrusting their lives to you, their careers to you from where you sit. Talk about trust and how this has showed up in your life and why it's become so significant to you. Absolutely. And, you know, it's all about opening our capacity to trust. It's not I trust or I don't. Of course, it's not a black and white. And as we uh, previously in the previous show, we talk about open our capacity for more joy here. We're, today, we're going to focus on trust. And I want to start by telling you a story because um, we are going back. Um, 
20, oh, no, we're going back 15 years ago. And I thought that I trust my husband. I was at the time married for 10 years and I thought I trust my husband very much. And I, there's, I, I don't need to open my capacity to trust him more. And then I, that was put to a test. And the test was that at my daughter's daycare at that time, they were doing a fundraising and the fundraising was dancing with the stars. So they asked for parents to volunteer to dance as a competition. They said, we're going to give you an instructor. We're going to teach you how to dance and you compete and, and we're going to make a fundraising out of that. So uh, I said, I'm in and my husband Kind of say okay well if you're in obviously i'm in too <laughs> although there were groups for women only um and everything was going really smoothly until the instructor said how about we were dancing latin music okay and the instructor said how about we add a jump Whoa. and i said <laughs> i said sure <laughs> i mean why not? He's taller than me. He's bigger than me. What can go wrong? <laughs> well, <laughs> let me tell you, nothing went wrong except that I had a very difficult time just throwing myself in the air and expecting him to catch me. And that's when I realized that I could definitely increase my capacity for trust. It was a great exercise. Uh, seriously speaking, it was a great exercise on trusting. Uh, just being in the air and trusting he will catch you. Yeah, yeah. Trusting with your body, trusting with your life. So we can always increase our capacity for trust. And I love the word trust. The reason that I love the work, the process, the work that entails to open our capacity for trust is because trust for me has many other beautiful virtues um, hidden or integrated in that world, the virtues of communication, the virtue of acceptance, accepting other people for who and what they are, honesty, respect. So we're going to be talking more about that today. I'm very, very excited for this topic. Yeah, it is so seriously important. And it is one of the most least understood. You, you know, when when I think about the word, I didn't think about it very much uh, until I went back to school. And then I was able to reflect on my life and think about what are some of the potholes that caused me to stay stuck in life, to not trust. So you're going to take us through this today, right? <laughs> Look, Thank you for that beautiful story, because I love Latin dance. And you know what? If somebody would ask me, like, are you ready for the jump? I would have had to go home and think about it. So, yeah, let's kick this off. Well, that's a beautiful way of increasing our capacity. For yes, it is. Yes, it is. Paper, right. It, it can be fun. But seriously speaking, um, trust is very important. A life yeah. without trust, of course, uh, it's lonely. And it's painful. It's yes, it's painful. It's lonely. It's isolated. Yes, in a way we we can keep us it can keep us safe because we don't let anybody else. But at the same time, yeah. we're very much isolating ourselves and not just isolating ourselves from interaction with other people. We're actually also preventing ourselves from experiencing our purpose and our calling yeah. and what we're here to experience because we need other people. Right. We are we come here to serve. So our calling is always connected to other people. Um, so we need 
people to fulfill ourselves, to have meaning, to feel meaning. So when we are not trusting, we're obviously uh, depriving ourselves from that beautiful sense of fulfillment. And we're talking about fulfillment, uh, trusting other people, trusting ourselves, of course, and trusting God, uh, or whatever you, you believe in. So as we increase our capacity for trust, we're also increasing our capacity for fulfillment, for joy, for a more wholesome life. And that's one of the reasons that is so important to, to work on that. And the other one, the other reason that I find um, is, is important to work on trust is because lack of trust keeps us in a very vigilant survival mode, right? Yeah. It puts our yeah. body in stress. And that, of course, impacts our body, our mind, our spirit. And if we are operating from survival or from avoidance or guarding or keeping safe from, um, of course, it's very difficult to thrive because thriving comes from our, our higher self, our soul, and not from the part that is trying to keep us safe and, and survive. So, yeah. That's another reason why we want to increase our capacity so we can we can really rise to new levels of fulfillment. Of course, yeah. it's not as simple, easily said than done, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. And I want to just say this. I don't know if we'll have time during this show, but when I can, I will. It was so significantly important to the body of research I did for my doctorate and postdoctorate that we had to include an entire section on the role of trust in psychological contract development, maintenance, and violation. It had never really been studied before in terms of what causes it, what can moderate it between this thing called, that we call promises between two people. Now, I'm going to stop there because my research was, let's just say, uh, uh, it was the first. There's so much more that we need to learn about it, but you're going to tell us why and how to grow the capacity. Without the capacity for trust, it is so difficult to even think about keeping promises. That's right. And listen, when you don't, when we don't develop the ability to trust, we keep small. Even in my business, right? I thought I can do everything and nobody's going to do it as me. So as long as I kept that belief, right? And that mindset, it was keeping me small because I can do everything. The moment I learned to trust and allow other people to help me, not only they do it better than me in certain, most of the time, but it allows me also to grow. So lack of trust keep us survive, in survival mode. It keeps us small. It prevents us from thriving, as we said before. But trust is one of the um, virtues we come to learn and master. And there's so much to learn about that. Let's take a look at the history. When you are in the womb, right, you are in complete trust. Not that you're asked, but you are in complete trust that all your needs are being met. Um, so as children, we inherently trust our parents. We trust that they will provide our needs. Even after you're born, you trust that your parents will provide all your needs, right? Um, as a toddler, you continue to trust your parents to the, to the point that if your needs are not met, young children tend to blame themselves. They will not blame their parents, right? And if you look at how we often play with babies, we throw them to the air, right? 
We throw babies to the air and they trust we will catch them. They usually laugh hysterically and they don't <laughs> doubt that we will catch them, right? It's fun. Um, so, and then of course, as we grow up, as you use the word promises, people break our trust, break promises, and we start believing that people are not trustworthy, but also we start doubting ourselves because clearly I cannot trust myself if I entrusted this person with my secret and that person went away and told everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. So I cannot trust my intuition. I cannot trust myself. So those uh, broken promises not only um, create a lack of trust towards others, but also affects our self-trust, which is also very important to develop as well, uh, our judgment uh, as well. So that's when we understand we have to do healing. We all have, we all carry betrayal, right? Betrayal is when somebody broke our trust. The feeling we usually feel is betrayal. Some people say you stab me in the back, you use that information against me. Uh, we all carry betrayal and it's our job to do the healing. The more we heal the betrayal from the past, uh, the more we learn discernment about trust. Trust should not be given automatically. Right. Um, it should be an option that people can earn your trust. You are open. You go, I'm open for business. I'm open for my trust to be earned. Show yeah. me. And then... I will give you my trust. But in the beginning, children give trust automatically without that discernment. So that's part of what we are here to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Enormous and, and capacity. Children have enormous capacity for trust out of the get-go, right? Until something something happens or something is said to cause them to modify it, right? But out of the gate, they trust you're going to feed them. They trust you're going to care for them. They trust that you're not going to be mean to them. They trust dot, 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 fill in the blanks, right? I cry. You're there, mom. Um, I mean, they do trust that until the point they can't anymore. And so when they can't, it causes, uh, let me just say, let's just say a blemish on their capacity to trust. And that's what you're talking about. We learned this at an early age. And so now what you're talking about is we have to heal this in order to expand our capacity as adults. That's right, because when we learn it at an early age, there's no discernment, right? We assume that we can trust everybody. And as promises are being broken or people break our trust, then we tend to go to the other extreme. Well, the brain goes, I'll fix this. I'll trust no one, just myself. Um, And that's when we, the healing is the understanding that not everybody has earned our trust and not everybody is trustworthy or behaves trustworthy. It's to forgive those who betray us and then have the discernment of who to trust, but also be open for people to earn yeah. our trust and learn who should be in our inner circle, right? Yeah. We're gonna, because not everybody should be in our circle of trust. I call it our inner circle. Um, but one tip that I have used with myself and with clients in learning to uh, forgive those who betray us, who broke our trust, 
is to realize what we learn from that. And probably we learn right from wrong. We learn what integrity is, yeah. how lack of integrity feels, what mm-hmm. loyalty is, what discernment is. And once you acknowledge what you learn from that, is to really tell that person in your mind, of course, I no longer want to use you. I no longer want to use you to learn loyalty, discernment, integrity, right from wrong, how not to behave. Because in a way, if if you look at this from a much more spiritual perspective, these are two souls that are serving each other. And if somebody can betray us, it's because that soul agreed to play that role so we can learn something. So we're using that soul, <laughs> right? So I no longer want to use you to, to learn this. Yeah. Yeah. How liberating is that? It yeah, puts so you, rather than being the victim, yeah. it empowers you to realize that unconsciously you chose this, you learn, and now you consciously can choose to change this, to, to, to have it differently. Yeah. Now, look, I want to make sure everybody knows, Gabriella, that, uh, I mean, this is a phenomenal series, but I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you, how they can become coaches, how they can learn about the academy, because we have so many people now, especially women, they're looking to expand. You know, they've learned something from the past three years. And what they're doing now is I want to be more. Please tell people how they can do that by learning about what you've created. We have a life coaching certification. Well, at the Coaching Academy, we teach the life coaching certification that in, that incorporates healing and entrepreneurship. But we also teach the beautiful Terra Healing Technique from Diana Steibel, the founder, which is a fantastic, fantastic tool to heal ourselves and to increase our capacity for manifesting more and tapping into all parts of ourselves. Yeah. What's the website people can go to? Coachingacademy.net. Yes. Thank you. Um, look, I want to talk to you about this. Uh, it has been well known by social scientists about the importance of trust. It is not well known, nor was it research, nor has it been since uh, the re- body of research I did uh, to really look at trust in organizations. But there are several reasons that trust has a very strong influence. And let's just break it down to, to regular people language. Social, look, for those of you out there, psychology contracts are very simple. They are the exchange between two people. It is the, and before my research, it was never studied between two people. But here's what I want to ask you. It is the exchange. And what we now lo- know about these contracts, better known as promises. Look, if I say, Gabrielle, I'm going to do a show with you today. Right. I am promising to do a show. And on my end, I'm obligated. If I don't show up, that is a broken promise. You will not trust me anymore. So let's carry this forward and talk about how we can expand our capacity to trust. And I'll tell you this, despite the exchange process being broken, right? <laughs> yes, despite because despite. nobody that's right. Nobody's perfect. You know, one of the uh, probably you talk about organizations, but I think that the institution that um, is so much built on trust is the army. When people are in difficult situations, when they are in survival situations, they have no choice. They learn to trust each other out of no choice, right? Oh yeah. So when we are in survival, 
we tend to have an easier time trusting people and trusting God because we have no choice, right? Uh, and everybody, it, 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 you, it um, unite people for a common cause, which is to survive, clearly. But what happens when we're not in the army? What happens when we are not in that situation? Hopefully, we're not in those situations. How do we actually uh, foster and build trust in our relationships? And again, the trust, we want to build trust with ourselves. We want to build trust with God. And we want to build trust with people. And it all boils down to communication and connection, right? Yeah. Um so I, I would like to share some uh, tips on how to do that. And then I'll tell you a, a story about that, a test that I was uh, put into by my son. Okay, let's talk about five tips to in, increase trust in our relationships. Uh, one is, of course, to set clear boundaries and values of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Um in their relationship, whether it's at work with my colleagues, whether it's in the army, where it's with my partner, whether it's with my kids. When we have these clear boundaries and we say, this is what's my red line, this is what's acceptable and what's not, we are uh, fostering respect and safety. Because if I know what lines are not to cross, then the other person that I'm in a relationship with will feel safe. Right. So again, communication of the red lines, of the values and the boundaries. The second one is a different type of communication. It's communication of the goals, right? Have clear goals and make sure that everybody is uh, aiming the same direction. Everybody's going to the same direction. Everybody's in the same goal uh, boat and, and working towards the same uh, goal. That also helps us develop trust. Obviously, in the Army, it's very clear what the goal is, to do what you have to do and stay safe. But in our relationships, especially with partners, sometimes in families, we see that everybody has no clue where they're going. And that, of course, uh, will weaken the relationship and create the opposite. Oh, you betray me. Well, we haven't communicated. We're not all going to the same in the same direction. So... Communication of goals, extremely important. Boundaries, where we're going. And making sure the third one is that we communicate to understand. Uh, we don't assume and we ask plenty of questions. We want to understand. Because usually the first level of communication is coming from a defensive mode or uh, the upper layer. But we don't understand what's under. So we want to understand what's motivating somebody, what's making somebody tick, why they're doing what they're doing. Most of the time it's not because they want to uh, betray us. It's There's something else. So communication to understand is the third one. The fourth one is respecting the differences. So people can feel safe to be who they are, not to not compare, don't compare people and respect everybody as they are. Um, when people feel that you don't want to change them, right? They feel safe and they trust you. I trust you because I know you don't want to change me. I know you accept me. That's why I said that, that trust has acceptance in it. You accept me as I am. And the last and the fifth 
is to nurture the relationship, to spoil the other person, uh, to see what's good in the other person, uh, to make them feel good, right? Not just to, to make them feel safe, but to elevate them, to make them feel good. So when I'm elevating myself, I'm also helping those around me elevate themselves too. And I find that these are five critical points that when we start becoming aware and making the effort to operate that way, we are building relationships that are built on trust. And the level of fulfillment in those relationships is unprecedented. Yeah. Does it make sense? It, look, it's the foundational piece for all that we are. I mentioned to you earlier at the top that we've come out of three years. So people call, call it whatever you want, but people are forever changed. They are now attempting to build their capacity to trust again. But even more than that, we can look at the personal relationships in our lives and we could take a look at how can we nurture that relationship? How can I today now see the good in people? Can I do that one tip that you just left us with for a moment? If I just focused on that, how might my day change for the better, right? Isn't that what we're trying to say here too? Absolutely. And um, for me, the ultimate test is with teenagers, right? Because teenagers don't trust their parents. Uh, and, and it's okay, it's meant to be that way. So they develop their identity. But um, the other day, my son, um, I, I, I spoke with, I talked to him about something. And then he came out of the room and said, I don't remember, did you ask me to do something? And I said, no, I, I didn't. I asked you if you want supper. I don't remember what it was. And I thought to myself, wow, he must have trusted me because I could have at that moment when he said, did you ask me to do something? I could have said, yes, I need you to uh, empty the dishwasher and put the laundry, stuff that they do regularly. But at that moment, I didn't ask anything, but I could have used that. Take, I could have uh, taken the opportunity, right? And see what can I get from you right now? How can you help me right now? But I didn't. So I said, no, I didn't ask you anything. And I, 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 I found that the fact that he trusted me to ask without uh, fearing that I will take advantage of the opportunity was a great test. And, you know, when my mom visited this summer, she said, it's incredible how when you ask your kids, and, and she was referring to the boys that are teenagers, you ask them for something, they actually do it. And they listen <laughs> to you and they come to you. And I said, it's true. And I said, I think it's because we have built a relationship of, of, of trust. And then I, I pondered so much more about that. And I realized that probably the reason is that if I ask one of them to throw the garbage and I open the, I knock on their door, I open the door and I see them playing on the computer. And I said, can you please throw the garbage? They will say, does it have to be now? Or can it be in half an hour? And I would say, uh, no. If it can be in half an hour, I'll say, no, you can finish your game and then yeah. throw the garbage. But if it has to be now, if it's urgent or important, I'll say, no, I need you to do that now. And because I don't abuse that, I don't always yeah. say it's important. I need you to do now. Right, don't trust right. me. So right. basically what I'm saying is I respect your playing video games, 
I don't see my needs more important than you're having fun with your video game. Um, but when I say if we are invited for supper and they don't want to uh, join us, they will ask, is it important? And sometimes I say, this is important for me. I, I, I'm asking you to, to attend. They will. But many times I say, you know what? It's not. If you prefer to stay, you can stay. So it's because there's so much respect. Yes. And nurturing at the same time, you know, we spoil them. I think that's why they they trust when I call them, they will come because they know I want to abuse the power per se. Yeah, that's what I was saying to you before. There's a mutual exchange that has happened over time. And that's that time right. has set up beautiful expectations where each of you understands the other. But you're right about respect. It is one of the top things people believe they're obligated to. Thank you for today. Um, what is the what do you want to leave us with today? Thank you for doing this show. It's such an important message, Gabriella. I, I love this topic. Thank you, Dr. Pat, for for um, bringing this up because I know it was this uh, a topic you brought up. So listen, when we are young, right, we let everybody into our party. There's nobody guarding the door of our party because we consider that the more people in our party, right, the more cool we look. The wiser we become, the older we become, the more we mature, we start getting discernment of who should be in our party. We, we put a guard at the, at the entrance and not everybody should be in our inner circle. Not everybody's trustworthy. And not only that, we are okay with not having many people in our inner circle. We teach this in the You and Your Inner Circle Terra Healing class. We are okay with that, that it's not about how many people are there, but who is actually there, the quality of the people. And the fact that you love somebody, it doesn't mean that they should necessarily be in your inner circle. I always say, you love your three-year-old, do you trust them? For the most, no, <laughs> right? So in your inner circle, it's not just the people that you care for, but the people that you can trust. And usually, the older we become, these are not many. And that discernment, it's very liberating. Yeah, yeah. Look, thank you so much for taking this topic out. Again, tell people how they can find out more about you and how they can find out more about the Academy. Uh, they can always visit us at coachingacademy.net and there's a contact form. We'll be happy to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gabriella. I want to thank all of you for tuning us in and turning us on. Right, Gabriella? I mean, this is Absolutely. an invitation for people to really expand their capacity to trust. Thank you for doing that. To be open. To be open. The fact that you you were betrayed doesn't mean that you cannot trust again. Remember that. I think that if there's one tip uh, to remember is that you can heal from betrayal and you can empower yourself by saying, I no longer want to use you to learn loyalty, discernment, integrity, right from wrong, and all these beautiful virtues. And then you're not the victim anymore. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. We'll see you next Thank time. You, Dr. Wow. You have been listening to Life Engineering, processes that combine science, wisdom, and spirituality to create a life of alignment on TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
Join host Gabriella Embon and Dr. Pat every first and third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific for bi-weekly wisdom nuggets on how to create your perfect synergy between your mind, body, and spirit in order to realize your true potential. For more information, visit Gabriella at coachingacademy.net.